You are listening to You and the Truth, where we will give you the truth face-to-face. Now what you do with it is up to you. Hey guys, Rat and Ralph here with You and the Truth face-to-face, and I'll tell you, I'm excited today. This is brand new territory for me. For those of you that are Power Ranger freaks and fanatics, we have somebody on today that's just going to, you guys are going to just love him. He's going to blow your mind. I, I, I've heard about the Power Rangers. I see, I used to see the cartoons many, many years ago, but I never got into it. It's just not, not the kind of thing that I like, but, but I didn't understand how, how, um, how popular the Power Rangers were and are. So, so this is great stuff. And so I've got with me, I got my co-host J-Rod Z over there. And then I've got our man that's going to explain this whole, um, Power Ranger thing, and he's going to concentrate on the Green Ranger. Okay, for those of you that know the Rangers, you know, you know what he's talking about. So we'll take it from there. Uh, man, it's it's great to have you on. Um, I'm going to ask you this question first. Okay, thank you for having I, me, man. It's our pleasure. Look, I know yeah. nothing about the Power Rangers. Just imagine that you're talking to a total dummy when it comes to this. And just explain who they are, where they came from, how this whole thing started, the beginning. And then you want to get into a particular Power Ranger who, who really is the subject of our of our uh, episode today, correct? Sure. Okay, so go, go do your thing, Boom. So, so as far as with, uh, with Power Ranger, I can, I can definitely speak on as far as where it started, you know, why it was, you know, important for myself, for our generation, uh, for, you know, the generation of myself and Jason, you know, late 30s. Uh, this show's been going on now. It's celebrating its 30-year uh, anniversary. Uh, I think they're going to have an episode uh, in April. That's basically celebrating the last 30 years. And basically, uh, as far as with the with the show, it started back in, in 1993. Uh, and it was a show about teenagers with attitude. And what made it very interesting, uh, as far as, like, for us, is the fact that, you know, it was kids you know doing karate fighting monsters you know it's that whole plot that whole uh storyline and what i you know what i think is pretty cool about it you know when you when you go back and and uh you know i show it to my son is that there's actual lessons being taught uh in this tv show right that you know that's that's one of the things that we've kind of gotten away from uh, as far as when we talk about you know t- you know either tv movies you know etc Hey, and, Paul, can uh, I, let me, can I ask you a question? When this thing started, was this a cartoon or, because I remember the actual Power Rangers, you know, actual people. Mm-hmm. Uh, did this start as a cartoon or did it start as the, uh, actual people, then they turned it into a cartoon? Well, it's very interesting, Ralph, that you asked that question. Actually, it's, uh, it was a live action show with, and it was a very interesting, like when I say live action, meaning like with actual people. So it wasn't an actual cartoon. And it wasn't even a show that started uh, in America. It actually started in Japan uh, somewhere in the mid-1970s. So by the time it got over here, it was almost already celebrating uh, 20 years. And the way that they did it was is that they would go ahead and splice um, footage between uh, as far as the, the TV show from Japan. And then basically they would have like the Saved by the Bell sections here in the sense that you would have like the American actors, you know, uh, doing their part in the actual episode itself. And then when they would fight in costume, it was never really them. It was the, uh, the Japanese uh, counterparts. Oh, interesting. Very smart. Very interesting. <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was a deal that uh, the guy who, who bought the footage, uh, I'm Saban, 
he basically went ahead and and uh and did some kind of deal with them where he can buy footage and then bring it over here and i don't want to say make it seem but basically he kind of made it seem that you know he did the entire show here in america but in reality he was only filming uh the parts where the kids were like in the park or in school or in the in the juice bar or whatever the case was and that's what they were filming here uh in america and um and you know obviously you know we're talking about the green ranger the green ranger is one of at this point because we're talking 30 years one of hundreds of power rangers at this point i don't keep up with the show anymore but you know definitely uh the roles that he played like anytime he showed up basically i would turn the tv on really yeah let me ask you why the green ranger of all the rangers why the green ranger that's an interesting question you know uh i think it's what he you know what his character but also in many ways what he stood for um the values that, that you saw that you know the, the values that he he portrayed uh on the show you, you could tell that this was somebody who was hard working somebody who was always trying to improve uh somebody who had you know everyday problems that you can kind of relate to maybe not as a kid but maybe later on when you kind of watch it maybe as a teenager oh look at the problems that you know that these kids have as teenagers or whatever so you kind of you kind of understand i don't know it was just something about that and, and also to the fact that he was like a loner he was very shy so i, I kind of like you know identified with him you know in that sense that he you know he played a very similar role i guess to like the personality that i have and i guess that's what kind of like got me into that particular character over the other ones that were probably more popular or like the football player like i could never really identify with stuff like that but you know the shy guy off to the side working hard trying to get better you know it i don't know i guess it kind of just stuck with me yeah but Poop, when you say you related to him we yeah. relate did you we, did you relate to the character he played or did you relate to this gentleman that we're talking about um which, which you're going to introduce now For sure. so which one is it or was it both well i mean as a kid definitely it was uh the character right i mean the character you know the fact that you know it was so cool just watching him fight monsters and stuff like that it's a big deal you know for a kid but later on when you when you know when you start seeing that he's doing the the convention scene and uh he's you know he was the first power ranger to go uh on a convention and um and you started seeing obviously not the character but the actual person as far as what he stood for you know you started seeing like some of the things that he was able to you know some of his accomplishments you know he was a businessman you know he made it on his own you know just a lot of those things that he uh stood for you know i i started relating more uh when i became an adult um as far as with with who he was in life and in, in, in reality so so when he you say conventions because i know they have i i used to be a huge comic yeah. book fanatic i have yeah. thousands of so so when he you say conventions because i know they have I, I used to be a huge comic yeah. book fanatic i have yeah. thousands of um uh, when you say co conventions are you talking about what kind of conventions and and these these rangers when they showed up at these conventions were did they show up just as the rangers or did they show up just as them themselves and and greet people in in their real persona you see what uh, i'm saying yeah no i it's a great question actually i mean You'd be surprised. I'd be surprised at the number of conventions that they have nowadays. And it could be for, like you said, comic books. It could be for anime. It could be for movies. And and typically what they do is they try to combine all these different aspects 
into all these different conventions and so when they would show up and by the way he was actually like i said before he was the first one to show up and actually a lot of the people that were also power rangers as well for many years they said they don't want to show up they're, they're, they were not interested and he was i thought that was he was the only one that was saying look uh i want to go for the fans because the fans you know seem like they have some kind of interest there uh for me to show up so i'm going to try to show up for them and and um you know so yeah let, if i may because i think and it was my bad because i think we should i should have identified who you're talking about because you've been talking about when you say he 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 <laughs> of course everybody relates to the green ranger but the green ranger is 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 a human being i mean this is a guy behind the costume and Basically, i think yeah. right so you want to talk about him sure. introduce him to the people and tell him who he who he was and and what he did what kind of you know everything you know whatever you know about him personally because because i think all these characters um when people see them kids see them and they see them as the character mm -hmm. but i think as you get older for sure you you want to know who the person was behind the scenes do you remember the original lone ranger clayton moore you you don't know because you you were <laughs> no no i was i was born in 1950. <laughs> The original Lone Ranger was a guy by the name of Clayton Moore. Okay. And uh, I and I remember I used to be fascinated by the by him, <laughs> the Lone Ranger, the way he handled his guns. And what I loved about him, he always got in these fist fights with people, and his hat never fell off. <laughs> he was tumbling all over the place. They would hit him, and he wouldn't. You know, it was just. And, and I saw him live once on stage. We went to a little Cuban uh, theater here where they had a movie, and it, it, back then you had. You had the the news flash. I'm going off topic, but it, it's very important because it relates to this. Right, right, right. You right. used to have the the news. The people you walk into the theater it costs like a, like 25 cents to get into the movie, and you would watch the newscast, and then they would show the the main feature, and then there was a there was a halftime show, and I remember they they presented the Lone Ranger. Wow. He came out Clayton Moore, and he was on stage. He was dressed in it, and I was just sitting. I'm I'm like eight or nine i'm salivating and he he takes out his guns and he starts twirling them and stuff like that but and i remember afterwards he was outside in the lobby and everybody was so fascinated not only the kids boob and jason but the grown-ups my father was a huge lone ranger fan so he was able to relate to him as a person and he was so nice you see what yeah. i'm saying so this is what i'm yeah. trying to get at with this guy jason frank right yeah, Jason talk to David. us a little. What, what is it, Jason? What now? It's Jason David Frank. Jason David Frank. So tell us a little bit about him as a person, and and you know what effect, if any, he had on your life. Sure. Um, so as far as you know, Jason David Frank, you know he he came from humble uh, beginnings. You know his father was a truck driver, his mom was a stay-at-home mom, so they had a very uh, humble life. But it was very interesting because his dad had bought um, acres of land. And, um, and on these acres of land, he actually had bought a couple of trailers and set it up as their, you know, their mobile home, but they had all this space and that's what they had. And, um, for a lot of people who don't know, and, and Ralph, maybe you can correct me a little bit with this, but we also had an outhouse. And if I'm not mistaken with an outhouse, uh, there was no running water or electricity as far as with an outhouse. Correct. That's correct. That's correct. It was, a, it was a bathroom outside. It was a little hot. You've seen them in movies. Yeah, right, Jason, exactly. you've seen those, right? In movies where they have a yeah. little hut and people would go in there. A latrine. Um, a, latrine. a military latrine, yeah. A, a, a latrine, yeah. Very. 
So, so this is well, how long ago was this? You talk about his parents, so that must have so been. I'm talking about this is his childhood. Like this is oh. how he. This is how he grew up. And um, how old would he be now? How old would would he? Would he would have been. He, he, he was born in 1973. Yeah, so he would have been almost 50 uh, towards the end of this year. Wow, so he's really a young. Well, to me, he's a young man. Yeah, you know, so you're 50, you're, yeah, don't laugh, Jason, you're not <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm proud of being my age, man. I've, you know, I've, I've been around, so I, I've been around, <laughs> I've been around, you know, I've been around, you know, I love to say that, but it's true, but at 50 years old, and from what I've heard from you, is very interesting story about this man and the effect that he had on so many, so many people. Well, the way that I think when you start looking at his history as far as how he got into karate, right? Because karate, the, the biggest thing, it teaches so many things, but one of the main components is discipline, right? And this was, this guy was a very disciplined guy. Um, and and I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit, but um, it's interesting because he started karate at age four and he uh, he trained under these two two guys Lewis and Chris Casamassa. Interesting story about Chris Casamassa. Just kind of like a side note. This is basically the guy who played Scorpion in uh, in the Mortal Kombat movie. Wow. Which, is, yeah, it's, That's it's, cool. which for us, again, our generation, right? My, our yeah. generation, me and Jason, like Mortal Kombat also was a big thing as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And that form of karate today, if, if you, they would have been doing it today, it would have been considered MMA. So he would have been considered. It would have been considered what? It would have been considered MMA. Oh, MMA. Okay, okay. Yeah. But by the way, I don't want to interrupt you, but just so people know, Jason, Jason, you're you're heavy into the martial arts. I think you have a, a what a black belt. Seven. Yeah. Three? So I'm a sixth degree black belt in karate, a fifth degree in in jujitsu. Uh, I've you know competed at you know multiple levels, uh, MMA, karate. I competed wow. jujitsu uh kickboxing boxing you name it um so yeah so so you're familiar with all this yeah i have a black belt too jason i just wear <laughs> i wear it so my pants don't fall down it's <laughs> leather huh it's leather <laughs> it's leather right. well that's a fascinating world do you have any experience poop uh in the martial arts or i did some karate uh when i was a kid i got all the way up to red belt and every single day one of my biggest regrets honestly is the fact that i didn't follow through and i left it for basketball which is a real shame because it's a skill that you know i can shoot from anywhere you give me the ball i can shoot from anywhere but what is that skill even worth like yeah, right exactly but the value and that's what a lot of kids don't understand that the value of something like that of, of self-defense of being able to defend yourself your family it's such a big deal, you know, and, and um, but you don't, if as a kid, it's, it's very difficult to understand that, you know? Well, you know, that's a great lesson. That's yeah. a great lesson of poop. I have to tell you because many kids, I don't know if you know this, my wife and I, for many, many years, almost 40 years now, we've had a music conservatory. My wife is a classic pianist. Oh, wow. She's a wonderful, she's a, she's not only that, she's a wonderful piano teacher, which is an art in and of itself. Cause a lot of people play music. They don't know how to teach. And she's been doing this for many, many years. And I can't tell you how many kids, hundreds of kids have gone through through our our uh, our, our studio. It's stage, stage Masters Music, a little plug there. But what, what happens is some of these kids, some of them stay on, but the majority quit. And then later, somehow they stay in touch with her because she, she stays in touch with kids that she used to teach 30 years ago. 
Wow. Yeah, and, and it's amazing. And now they have kids, and they bring their kids to her, right? And I can't tell you how many of these kids, all they all say the same thing. Right. I am so sorry that I didn't continue my musical education because that's something you can do for the rest of your life. Like you guys in, in martial arts, that's something you learn. You carry that with you for your life. Yeah. For, it, it, not even to talk about the fact that you can, you know, defend someone or help someone in a situation, but the fact that you can do that the rest of your life and even teach it, that's a fascinating thing. So, so yeah, I, I get, I guess you must have regrets that you didn't do that. Is it too late for you? You're in your, you're in your thirties. You can do that. Am I yeah. putting you on the spot? I'm putting you on the spot. Right? <laughs> it's it not too late. We've talked about it. No, we've it's talked too late. About you think it's too late, Jason? It's not too late. It's not, no, it's we, not too late. We, okay. we talked off camera uh, about me coming back and the whole thing. and But, you know, we just got to figure it out. We got to figure it out. Uh, yeah. You never know. Dude, let me tell you something. Take, it, take advice from an old man. Seriously. I'm 72. Okay. Wow. And I have to tell you something. And I look back. I'm yeah, 72. he doesn't look 72, but he no, is. I, 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 I know. 55, like Max, honestly. Well, I appreciate that, man. The other day, someone told me, man, you don't look a day over 71. That's, you're incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know what? It, it, when you get older, seriously, Poop, when you get older, the yeah. one thing that, the things that weigh more heavily on your mind than anything are the things that you knew you should have done and you didn't do. They call those regrets. Yeah. And it's usually about things that you did that you wouldn't have done or but the biggest ones are the ones that you could have done that were handed to you they were there and you had the ability to do it and you didn't do it that's a terrible feeling so yeah, if you no. can get back into that dude you know do it anyway i i didn't mean to interrupt you go ahead you were talking about um, so wait hold on i'm gonna interrupt now okay go. <laughs> you think? so you know when i was looking into this i i couldn't really pinpoint Jason David Frank's style, you know, I, I I found that he was, you know, he created his own, and you know, yeah. he did all these different styles, but I couldn't really pinpoint. And then when you mentioned Chris Casamassa, yeah. I went and I, you know, I found his uh, Wikipedia page, and I realized like it's Shotokan, right? Which Jason David Frank also mentioned in his lineage. So I I think it's very interesting that it's it is a a purely Japanese style of karate. Um, so like what I teach is Goju-ru karate. Shotokan basically comes, it's an offshoot, you know, a couple steps after uh, Goju-ru karate. So, you know, a lot of what he learned and what he did is what I do, you know. Uh, so I, I just thought that was an interesting point to make. Um, basically, Shotokan, it was... You know, cutting the nails off, you know, the claws, removing the claws, getting rid of the samurai sword, getting rid of some of the extreme violence of the martial art to take it to mainstream Japan after the war. Right. That's what they did. That's where that's what they did to a lot of the martial arts after World War Two. They made them more into sports. So you have Shotokan, you got judo and, you know, basically it's 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 interesting to me that that's where the world that he comes from it, it, it's a, a a very good lineage um but it's just very very interesting so that's my interruption that, that that's great i didn't i didn't know any of that stuff of course I, that's not my world that's not what i do but and i'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this would be would it's very interesting to them um let, let's get into jason david frank 
tell us a little bit about him as a, as a person, as an individual, and, and how he got involved in all this, whatever you can tell us about. What I was, uh, so just kind of going back a little bit to what I was talking about, the fact that he started at age four, which again, it, that in itself is, is amazing because I think most kids would probably start maybe a little bit older. I think I, my, me, myself, I think I had started at eight years old or something, and I went all the way into like maybe 13 or 14, but regardless, you know, Jason, Jason David Frank, he started at age four, got his black belt at age 12, which I don't wow. know, Jason, you speak on this. I don't know if that's pretty fast or I don't know if that's, you know, good timing or, or, or I don't know. Yeah, like weird. we would consider that a junior black belt. Okay. And nothing before 18 is considered, I mean, for us, there's, yeah. there's, there's styles that will consider it a black mm -hmm. belt. Yeah, but we don't consider anything under eighteen. Some styles under twenty, um, a black or a, you know, an adult black belt. So that's a, a kid. But belt. isn't a black belt a black belt? That's a no. Belt. So right? the problem, the problem is, you get a kid who starts very young, yeah. right? How how do you keep them motivated to get all the way to the end? So you have to come up with all of these different. <laughs> you know, ideas to try to keep them engaged. And then, you know, you can look at it in a nefarious way, like, oh, you're trying to make money off of them. But, it, you know, it's not that. It's you just want to keep, because, okay, the kid leaves, all right, you get another kid. It's not really about that. It, it's you want to try to keep them engaged with the art and with the style. And it gets very competitive, especially as they start getting to around the age, like, like Publio, you're a perfect example. You know, you started playing basketball. Some kids, it's baseball, it's football, it's basketball, it's wrestling, it's whatever, you know, and then, you know, they're gone. And, you know, those are sports. And, you know, the martial arts is, is way beyond a sport. Like, um, you know, some of the things I've been through in my life, I probably would, would have failed. I would not have been successful if I wouldn't have had the martial arts upbringing that I had. You know, and this is something that most people miss out on because a lot of it, you don't really get it until you're that brown belt, that black belt, and above, you know? And, um, you know, because up until then, you're just learning a curriculum, you know? So, so Jason, let me ask you. So, if, if a child gets, let's say, a 12, like mm -hmm. a Jason David Frank here, he gets to be a black belt at 12. Yeah. Um, are you, I'm, what I'm getting from you is that basically after that, what is there for him to look forward to? He might look lose interest in something like that if a child gets to a higher, higher degree belt too quickly so they, is, is that what you're saying yeah they lose interest even before that you know and but if you get the like, black belt i would imagine you gotta be pretty serious about something to, to get to that degree it would seem to me yeah so most styles what we do is we create all of these different steps in between us you know for the kids you'll have a yellow belt with a white stripe a yellow belt a yellow belt with a black stripe a green belt with a white stripe, a green belt with a yellow stripe. And, they, you know, it's kind of just to slow down the progression. But at the same time, you need to give them rewards because that's how our society is now. If you don't give them rewards, they're going to go, well, screw this. I'll go to baseball when I get a victory every yeah. Saturday, you know, and then we go to not Pizza Hut anymore, but um, they go to wherever they go now. I don't know. <laughs> For us, it was Pizza Hut, right? But, um, yeah. So, like, think about it. Like, there, there's no rewards in martial arts. Well, so, Jason, just just so you'll know, I'm in the music business. Been in the music business, you know, for years. Now, all the kids get a trophy. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's what we try to avoid. It's a participation trophy. Oh, they get a trophy. It doesn't get you. Know, they, they play. Bing, bing, bing. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get a trophy. You know, it's like and it's ridiculous. 
think about it. So if you don't somehow find a way to, you know, basically live in this world, you're not going to have any students to teach. And it, and it's not from a money perspective. It's like right now, you know, my dad's teaching for free. You know, it's not about money. So everybody looks at this model and they go, oh, you guys are just trying to, like, we, we don't make money on, you know, a monthly payment or anything like that. And we don't sell the gear or the uniform or anything. It's just literally like, hey, we want to keep this art, you know, that we've kept, you know, sacred and we want to pass it on. Right. You know, to another generation, and you know, I, I don't want to take away from from JDF and the Green Ranger on this, and make it about our martial art, but uh, we'll we'll do that on another day. And um, that's a great topic. But yeah, so, he he was right. very much like that, and you know, you get these traditional martial artists, which is what he is. He came or what he was. He came from Shotokan. It's a traditional martial art, and then he kind of made his changes to it to make it his own. And it, you know it was highly effective, but um, yeah, like he kept that honor and that integrity in his style that you don't see in some of these, you know, MMA schools, MMA styles. You have just come face to face with the truth. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and hit that bell so you will be notified when we drop new episodes.